I, I was just thinking about, you know, peace, peace in our soul when we go through things. And this week we had a couple people actually go through some things that was a good reminder. Um, Gwen was in an accident this week, and the Lord preserved her through that time, and she and no one else was injured, that I'm, I think. And so, you know, other than the mess of dealing with everything, why the Lord was with you to preserve you through that. And also this week, um, Don and Madeline, um, Debbie, Debbie Beaverson's mom, Don and Madeline Peters, Don's here. Madeline, she, she doesn't come too often, but Madeline, she's this, you know, little, little lady that comes. And anyway, they, um, this week, I, at least I, the story from Jonathan, if I get it quite right, but um, she turned, thought she turned the oven off and turned it to broil. Is that right? Something happened. Something happened, and uh, she filled the house with smoke. She went and took a nap and filled the house with smoke and woke up in time to go out. And now you can tell me, Debbie, but Jonathan said she moved the stove away from the wall. Oh, your dad did. Oh, gotcha. Well, anyway, the, the, the moral story is the Lord preserved them through this, you know, because um, now they're living with Debbie for a little bit. So anyway, yeah. So, so you know, um, the Lord is with us. And sometimes I think, if we're not careful, we all go through stuff, and it seems like, and I don't know if it's my imagination, but it seems like more people are going through more stuff now. I know that just seems like it to me. My observation is there's just lots of things going on there. And it is important to remember in the midst of all that, the Lord is with us, and it is well with our soul. We may not feel like it sometimes. We may look around and think, wow, what's going on? But the Lord is with us, and it is well with our soul. Um, today, I want to I want to look at um, some of the time where Jesus, right after his resurrection, he spent 40 days, and he, he spoke to his disciples. And he, he shared a lot of things. And I was thinking about it. You know, if you knew you had 40 days, you know, if you knew you had 40 days, another 40 days to kind of, okay, what can I give them to really get them to pay attention? I don't know if you've ever felt that. Maybe you've felt that way with your children sometimes. If, if I could just... In fact, what can I say? And so we look a little bit at what Jesus said to his disciples, and some things are recorded. And it's interesting to me that um, some of what I'm, what I'm going to share with today is recorded of Jesus talking to Peter and, and dealing, with, dealing with and sharing some things with Peter. Um, I think part, of, for me, I guess is an observation for me, part of the reason is it appears like Peter's the guy that always was, had an opinion. Peter is always talking. Peter is always, I'll do it. I can do anything. Don't worry. And then he messed up. And Peter was always kind of just right there on the edge all the time. And so it seems to me that Jesus has kind of got to deal with this or at least talk to Peter about some of this. And it is recorded. Now, I'm sure he said things to other disciples. But we're going to take a look at what Jesus said to Peter. And it's in John 21. And John 21, I'll read the first 14 verses. <clears throat> After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we're, we are going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. 
But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, is it, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his armor gown, armor outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net of fish. Then as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples there dared ask him, Who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So, you know, this, this story is, you know, Peter, he's a fisherman. And, you know, there's some that say, well, since Peter was a fisherman and that's what he knew and everything that's happened, Peter just did what he knew to do. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. And so he went and he started fishing. And as far as I can tell, I, I checked, but there's no record of him ever fishing again after this point. Ever, ever, he never f literally fished again. If you remember when Jesus called him the first time, what did he say? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And it appears like, you know, maybe this hadn't quite sunk in. Maybe Peter, Peter still didn't quite get it. So anyway, they're fishing all night. And they catch no fish. Now, if you've ever fished, if you're a fisherman, and you, you know, if you fished all night, I can't believe they didn't try everything. That's just what fishermen do. If the fish aren't biting, they're going to try something else. You're going to try different bait. You're going to move. They, they were using a net. I'll bet they moved. I'll bet they threw that net on both sides of the boat. I don't know how many times it says they fished all night. Fished all night and didn't catch anything. Didn't catch anything. And so we see that probably they're pretty frustrated. You know, they're, they've tried everything they know how to do. They're, they're fishermen. It's what they do for a living. And in the midst of that, they catch nothing. And now all of a sudden, somebody stands on shore. And, and uh, the person on shore says, cast your net on the right side of the boat. Now, it's, nothing's recorded about their response. I got to believe somebody in that boat said, you got to be kidding now, I, I don't know. I would have said, you got to be kidding. You know, I would have said, I've tried the right side of the boat. I've tried the left side of the boat. I've tried the front of the boat. I've tried the back of the boat. We've moved the boat. We've been all over this lake. What do you mean, the right side of the boat? I believe Jesus was trying to teach Peter something. I believe he was trying to teach him. The Bible says that God's ways are not our ways. That his thoughts are above our thoughts. That, you know, He'll do stuff that will work against our logic. I mean, it's not logical after all they've done to throw the net on the right side of the boat. But they said, well, okay. And so they throw the net on the right side of the boat. And what did they get? 153 fish. Now, you've got to believe that somebody there goes, wow. 
Can you imagine that? We fished all night and can't catch a thing. And the Lord says, on the right side of the boat, and we do it, we got 153 fish. And at this time, then they realize that it's the Lord. And of course, Simon Peter, you know, the one who's walked on water and done all kinds of things, you know, he jumps out of the boat and, and makes his way to the shore. I mean, you can just see him. He's just, he's probably like a bull in a china shop. I don't know. I don't know. I just get this picture. He's just aggressive and he's just always, he's just always got to be ahead of everybody. And so he, he rushes ahead. He rushes ahead. And the rest of them come and they, they drag in this net full of 153 fish. And it says it was so big, but still the net was not broken. The net wasn't broken. You got to think about it. You got to think, wow, how did this impact them? I mean, how, what kind of an impression does this make on them? Do they start to see that maybe they need to trust what the Lord says, even though if it doesn't make sense? That it doesn't logically make sense? I think that's very difficult, and it's difficult for some of us more than others. If we're very logical people, that is a very difficult thing to do things that don't make sense. And I believe there's a part of God, and we need to always understand that there's a part of God and who he is that will never completely make sense to our carnal nature and our mind. God is above my thoughts. He's greater than my thoughts. He doesn't see things the way I do. So I have to understand that God will do things that I can't always comprehend or figure out. Now, sometimes that's difficult to know. Um, sometimes I've, I've seen people that will run with that and say, oh, good, I can do all kinds of things that don't make sense, and I can just say, well, God told me. I think that's foolish. I've seen people do that. I've seen that other side where people just run off doing all kinds of things and say, well, this is what the Lord showed me. You know, it's like, well, okay. Can't always start it out. I have found myself at, at different points in, in my life. I remember at one time thinking if people did a certain thing, they were foolish and how silly that would be. And then I remember later on in life doing that thing myself. And the Lord kind of reminded me, remember when you thought that was foolish? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I do remember. I remember. I remember those thoughts thinking, well, that's foolishness. Why, you know, people shouldn't do that. Or this, that's not the way you do things. That's not right. And I thought, oh, huh, I'm doing that. And so I think, I think when we think about the Lord, we need to realize that, that, you know, at times he will ask us to do things beyond our own reason or beyond our own logic. And so now we find that, you know, they, they have this food and, and Jesus fixed breakfast for them. And uh, they all sit down and, and they're eating. And now we find in verse 15 that Jesus now directly starts talking to Simon Peter. He says, when they, eaten when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? I want to stop right there, you know. In all the years that I've ever read that, when it says, Simon, you love me more than these, my interpretation has always been that he's talking about the other disciples. Do you love me more than the rest of these disciples? That has always been where my mind went. I figured, well, Peter, do you love me more than the rest of these? And if you think about it, I don't know that Jesus would try to 
do that comparison. I don't know that he would say, well, Peter, do you love me more than the rest of the disciples? I mean, if Peter said yes, what is that? Well, okay, you're better than them. Or, you know, what would, here's, what, here's something I want you to think about. What had they just done? They had just caught 153 fish. 153 fish. They sat down and ate breakfast, and Jesus says, do you love me more than these? There's a chance he meant, do you love me more than these fish you've caught? Do you love me more than what you've been doing? Do you love me more than who you are because you're a fisherman? What's your, what's your real commitment, Peter? What's your real commitment? Are you committed to me? Are you committed to me more than these going fishing? And like I said, from this time on, there's no record that Peter fished again because Jesus says what? He says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Do you love me more than this? And I think that's a question that gets asked us in many different ways. I don't think we're all going to get called like Peter did to be fishers of men to the, to the dimension that he was. I'm not saying somebody can't be here, but you know there's a chance that he's not calling us to that degree. But I believe he will say to us, Are you, do you love me more than anything else? Do you love me more than this? Do you love me more than this? What are you willing to lay down for me? And I believe, you know, he starts to address Peter in this way, and then he asks him some questions. And then he says, um, he says, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, of course, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And I don't know at that point, you know, this is the same guy that said, I won't betray you. I'll never do that. I don't know if that in the back of his mind he went, oh, I better be careful. Now, Peter probably didn't think that. You know, that probably wasn't his nature. But you got to think about, you know, now Jesus is going to ask him a question three times. And he betrayed Jesus three times. You know, I don't know what all is working in Peter's mind. But he says, well, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself, you walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he has spoken this, he said to him, follow me follow me jesus said this along three years before he said to peter follow me and i'll make you fishers of men to to some degree i think peter did that he followed jesus he stayed with them but now jesus is asking him again and he says do you love me do you love me and i think we can see here that when jesus said do you love me He wasn't necessarily saying, I don't think you love me, Peter. But I believe he was saying, do you love me? Because if you love me, here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to do. If you love me, you're going to take care of my sheep. You're going to take care of my lambs. The first two times in in the scripture Jesus said that is, he said agape love. He says, do you love me to lay down your life? To lay down your life. Peter responded, I will love them like a brother. 
Oh, yeah, I love him like a brother. He, I, he wasn't going to love him with the kind of love that laid down his life. I'll love you like a brother. The, th the third time Jesus said, okay, you can love him like a brother. And Peter said, yes, I'll do that. Interesting enough then, Jesus laid out, he says, most assuredly, Peter, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Now, this is my nursing home verse. Okay, just I, this is a side note. This is my nursing home verse. You know, when you were younger, you girded yourself. You walked where you wished. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. That's my nursing home verse. Doesn't that sound, isn't that what that sounds like? What it's saying is, Peter, at some point in time, you're going to get to a point where you're not going to be in charge of everything. You, you know, actually, somebody else is going to take care of you. That day, you know, the day, the day comes. But until then, until then, here's what I want you to do. I want you to love my sheep. I want you to love my children. Interestingly, Jesus says, he didn't say, Peter, go love my children. Go take care of my children. Go take care. He says, Peter, do you love me? Do you realize the implication is that if we love Jesus, we can't help but take care of the sheep? If we love Jesus, we can't help but take care of the sheep. It's not a job. It's not a task. It's not something we have to do. It's something like, oh, brother, I, go, I suppose I better go be nice. I better go love, you know. It's if I love Jesus and I understand his love for me, I will take care of the sheep. I will take care of the sheep. Peter did it to the point of his own death. He did give his life. He did agape the sheep. He did do it. He did do it. The question for us, I think, is, well, what's that say to us? Are we called? Are we called like Peter? In some ways, in some ways, yes. I believe we're all called in different ways to care for the sheep. You know, I don't think everybody's called to be a pastor. I, I, I personally struggle with some things in life and, and, um, People, people have said to me, this is a statement, and I'll just share it with you. People have said, well, you're such a pastor. You, you, do, you know, well, and I, and I, you know, there's a part of me, I'm sorry, but thinks, isn't that what it's supposed to be? Isn't it supposed to be caring for the sheep? Isn't it supposed to be? Is it not supposed to be a job? Is it not supposed to be an easy life? I, I, heard, I heard a pastor over the years one time say, it's a great thing. You know, you preach on Sunday. And he says, I play golf any day of the week I want to. It's a good job. I, I, mean, I hear statements like that. And I think, wait a minute. Isn't it something different that if we love Jesus, we will naturally take care of his sheep? He said, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. He went to heaven. He told Peter, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Now, I want you to take care of my sheep. Isn't that what we're called to do? Isn't that what each of us are called to do? Now, it's not just, you know, I'm not, you know, pastors are called to a degree, yes. But people are called also to take care of the sheep. It wasn't just a few. We were the church. We're the body of Christ. 
So we're to care for one another. We bear one another's burdens. It's not just some, well, we pay this guy. You know, I think that's almost a detriment. I'll say it, you know, now that I'm, all, now that I'm so close to retirement, I can say this. But um, I think it's almost a detriment to pay preachers. I probably think you should. But, and I don't mean just, but, you know, but think about it. The danger is that if we pay them, it becomes a job. Now, I think we should take care of them, you know, to provide for them. But it's not a job. It's not, it's not something we do. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And he says, if you love me, you're going to feed my sheep. It's not like, oh, brother, do I have to go help somebody? Do I have to go care about somebody? No, Jesus said, if you love me, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do. Follow me. And I believe that for us, it's the same thing. It's, it's not a task. It's not like, okay, this is the, we're going to assign a day and we're all going to go help somebody. It should be who we are. It should be who we are. That we're followers of Christ. We're fishers of men. Do you love him? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Care for those that need care. Take care of those around you. We, we do it because of his love for us. You know, the word, one of the words this morning was, you know, how much he loves us. And if he loves me that much, that he gave his life for me. If I begin to understand that, if I begin to understand that he forgives me, if I begin to understand how much he loves me, I don't need anybody to tell me to care for others. I don't need somebody to tell me that because that's who we are. It's who we are. It's what we do. It's in us when we realize his love for us. I personally believe that the more we understand and receive his love for us, then it's a natural, supernatural, natural thing for us then to love others. You know, if it's a job, you know, if it's a job, you know what it's going to be like? Oh, I suppose I better love them. Pastor said this morning we're supposed to love people, so I suppose I better be nice. You know, I better, I better love them. I better, I better do it. You know, it's kind of a task. Don't really want to, but I suppose it's the right thing to do. You know, you know, I could, I could tell you to love your neighbor that's not nice to you, so you feel guilty when you go home and see your neighbor out there, and you don't really like them, and you got to be nice to them. You know, I could, I can tell you that. The reality is, I just want us to understand that when we receive and understand the love of God, that that's what we do. It's who we are. It's just who we are. We want to love. And from this point on, Peter, he seemed to, he got it. He got it. And then at Pentecost, Jesus says, well, hang around, and when you get the Holy Spirit, guess what? I'm going to help you do this. I'll even help you. Because, you know, you probably can't do it on your own like you should. But I'll send my Holy Spirit and he'll give you power so you can be fishers of men. And so we see then the disciples, you know, from this point on and they just kind of keep going and then when Pentecost comes, the whole thing just kind of blows open and, and they just start doing what God's called them to do. And so I think for us, for us the big question is, you know, do I love Jesus enough to put him first? 
I'm not asking. I don't think he's asking anybody to quit their job. I don't know. He may be. I don't know. I doubt it. I doubt it. But I'm not saying he can't. You know. But you know, am I willing? Sometimes you got to just get to that point. Am I willing? What if he said that? Could I do it? Sometimes it's good to struggle with that thought. Well, if he said do this, could I do it? Would I be willing to do it? What am I willing to lay down? What am I willing to give up to love him more than this or this or whatever it might be? And what is it sometimes we hold dear that we think, wow, I, I don't know if I could let go of that. I remember a gentleman one time that said every year at Christmas he lets go of something that is very precious to him. Something he just really thinks important because he wants to be reminded that, you know, nothing's totally his. I thought, wow, that's kind of neat. You know, what, what, could I, what could I give up if I really thought I was supposed to? What would I really be willing to let go of? What would I be willing to do if that's what God wanted me to do? You know, Peter literally gave up his, his uh, profession, ultimately gave up his life. Gave up his life. And that's, you know, that's, I don't know. I don't even know how to go there, actually. I don't even think about giving up our life. Giving up our life for somebody else. You know, that's, that's, quite, a, that's quite a thing to think about. Gave up his life. I think most of us, if, you know, most normal people, what do we do with our life? We hang on to it. We hang on to it very tightly. I'm not saying it's all bad, but, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's good to let it go. To let it go and let God be in charge. Trust him. Trust him. That's, that's ultimately what Peter did. And I believe, I believe this whole thing is just Jesus just taking him through the steps. You know, keep, keeps, keeps reminding him, keeps bringing him closer to that point where, okay, Peter, this is, this is what I'm going to have you do. You know, and then, and then Peter got it. Eventually he got it, you know. He, he understood it. He said, oh, okay, okay, I can do that. So we all have to be willing just to do what it is God's asked us to do. Like I say, it's, it, can be, it can be different things. You know, can be giving him, giving him our lives, our profession, who we are, what we do. Give it to him. Let him use it. Let him guide it. Let him take it where he wants it to go. You know, just to think about, Lord, what would you have me to do? Because I think he asks each of us, do you love me? Do you love me? And what does that mean? What does that mean? I mean, I think it means different things to different people. We're all in different places doing different things. I think when he says that to each of us, it, it means different things to wherever we're at. Wherever we're at the moment, whatever we're going through. So that's my prayer as we think about, you know, Jesus speaking to his disciples, that he still speaks to us. He still speaks to us. He says, do you love me? Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love for us. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to comprehend and understand that love so that we would know what it means to love others. Lord, we thank you for your willingness to help us, to get us to that place where we wouldn't hang on to things so tightly. But Lord, we would be willing to 
let them go and allow you to use them, whatever it might be, in whatever way you'd want to use us. And we thank you for the privilege we have to love others. Lord, help us to be your vessels of love. Lord, help us to love those that are sometimes difficult to love. Help us to love where we don't get love back always. Lord, help us to be willing to lay down our lives. Lord, we thank you that you are always faithful. Lord, that no matter what, we can trust you and know that you'll always be there with us. And we can always say, it is well with our soul. Lord, we thank you for that. Just be with us now. Lord, I pray if anyone has a need for prayer, Lord, you just encourage them to come up and over here to my left and just uh, let Rose and Jim and, and uh, pray with them this morning. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we just ask your blessing on each one that's here. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. By the way, we do take...